Hi everyone, my name is Vidya. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Fitbots. Delighted to host Whole Getters. This is where we get to speak to the best of best practitioners and leaders in strategy execution. Today, we are setting out to speak to an extraordinary human capital expert and executive coach who is passionate about helping entrepreneurs build great startups and work very closely with HR professionals to collaborate and solve problems. He has authored five books of which being an awesome people leader was endorsed by Dr. Marshall Goldsmith, where he says, coaching doesn't need to be a character reader. Naga Siddharth provides the ultimate guide to the small changes that leaders can make that create a dramatic result. Start implementing these changes to your behavior today. Now, there are no guesses here as the chief human resource officer of Urban Piper, we are honored to host Nagar Siddharth, fondly known as Sid. He's also a PCC certified executive coach from ICF and MGSCCC and is a doctorate with his thesis being on a very pertinent topic, discretionary effort. Sid, a very warm welcome to you and I don't think I've done enough of justice to your introduction. That's a very kind uh, introduction. Thanks for having me here, Vidya, and of course the entire Fitbots team. Delighted to be here. Thank you, Sid. And, and you know, I'm really looking uh, forward to this very extraordinary conversation with you. Um, and for all our listeners across the globe, if you could uh, tell us more about your backstory and how did you really get here to become a strategic human capital expert, executive coach, and more. Sure. I think uh, in some uh, cases, you know, uh, one is fortunate to have the career find you rather than you find a career. So uh, by by no uh, small means, I think all my mentors, uh, right from Dr. Gopal Mahapatra, Dr. Palla, and many others have uh, you know always been there to kind of handhold and help me when I needed the, needed it the most. And that's something that I try to do uh, every year. I, I try to have at least 10 MBA trainees in my team. And I think every year, uh, 10 adds to that. And it's great fun to work with youngsters. It is one reason uh, where uh, that I've used to kind of find my way through, right? I think uh, there are there are two there are two two basic pillars. The anchor is uh, very close to what uh, Peter Drucker once said. He said the purpose of human life is to make a positive difference. And if you actually see the human resource profession, it is one of those professions where you you get to do that and still get paid for it. So it, it's good all 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 the way, right? So so that's one thing. The second is I think. Uh, um, just extending that to the entire human uh, you know, resources profession or, or what you call human capital. Um, it's one area where it's very organic, right? I'm an engineer myself. If, if there's a machine that's supposed to do something, it will keep doing that, right? Whereas if you talk about a human, um, there's always the aspect of originality, creativity, development, growth, and so on. So the person who walked into office yesterday isn't the same person who walked in today, right? And hence, as a HR professional, can we play that facilitating role to help that person find his or her own true potential? It's all very easy to say, right? But when you work in a business context, all you know, all this has got to finally mean the business is doing well. Right? It just can't be another book that's been written very nicely. And I think that is something that's always kept me curious uh, to know okay, what can be done differently today. Right. And every day, if, if I'm able to do that 1% differently, I think uh, I'm sorted. And that's wonderful. Um, so then, and you're so right, because there's so much more to organizations and it's truly people who are the essence of it. And you're making a difference to each of them is uh, truly, truly exceptional. Um, you know, in fact, you spoke about business and growth. And that is actually my next question. Uh, there are many listeners around the globe who would love to know more about 
Urban Piper today, you're powering over 32,000 uh, restaurants globally. And you also very recently acquired Audemars US business. So congratulations for that. Uh, so we'd love to know more about uh, Urban Piper and the impact that you're creating as a business. I'd love to tell you more about this company. It's a wonderful place. Great founders uh, and, uh, you know, a wonderful team. Uh, and <clears throat> to put it very mildly, right? Um, well, let's start with the purpose, right? The purpose of Urban Piper is to help restaurants succeed. And that is very, very close to my own personal purpose of uh, business through people, right? So I help businesses succeed by helping people succeed. And finally, we help restaurants succeed. So that that's how my uh, kind of... Uh, person organization fit happens very nicely here and uh, in in terms of uh, you know so let, let's talk about any restaurant today in in, in the global age right so uh, every restaurant owner is going to sit there with his uh, at his cash box uh, you know with maybe five maybe ten tablets given by different different uh, aggregators food aggregators like we might have uh, quite a few in number in India but you know abroad uh, you know it could range from 10 to 15 to 20. So this person is going through what we call tablet health. Right? Instead of focusing on the best food that uh, the restaurant can uh, make, the new recipes that the person can uh, you know, uh, bring to life, he's wondering about, hey, uh, was it dosa that went from the KOT to the kitchen or the masal dosa that went or the uh, dosa with the podi and chutney? Right? So think about it for our global audience in terms of burger with lettuce, without lettuce. Uh, with extra mayonnaise or without mustard, right? So <clears throat> the poor guy is really going through tablet health. So Urban Piper has three products. And uh, one of them, which is called Meraki, helps uh, standalone restaurants, small little chains of restaurants, even large restaurants, uh, make it on their own to the web while we take care of everything at the back end, right? So hosting the website, configuring all of that, you know, even menu management and so on becomes much easier for them, including delivery tracking. Uh, the second is Hub. So how think of it as, uh, you know, a large internet uh, multiplexer, demultiplexer, right? So if I have multiple um, upstream, uh, upstream is the language we use for uh, food aggregators. If you have multiple upstream providers, you know, how kind of uh, funnels it all to one screen to the hotel owner, and then also helps in integrations downstream, right? So it's, it's kind of got to talk to the point of sale. It's going to, got to talk to the inventory. It's got to talk to, I mean, if the restaurant also has dine in it, uh, you know, the restaurant has uh, takeaways and so on. Uh, now you kind of slowly see the complexity that's there. So Hub completely removes that complexity and allows the restaurant owners to focus on food, right? That's, that's what they're there for. The third is, of course, the POS. We do offer uh, integrated POS uh, point of sale system. And this kind of actually helps restaurant owners wake up uh, with a smile in the morning. You know, I love the analogies that you use. So I'm going to remember this. I'm sure the next time I go into the restaurant, I'm going to ask the person, are you powered by Urban Piper? So I'm sure they would say yes in that many If not, send, him, send me the connect. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. So I surely will. Um, you know, in fact, as the chief uh, human resource officer, you've actually seen scale at different stages. So you've been a CHR, CHRO for multiple, multiple points of your journey. Uh, and you've seen organizations which are very, very different industries from the one which you're there right now. So tell us a little more about how have you really seen scale and uh, your role that you've played in scaling organizations. So we'd love to learn more about your rich experience. Yeah, I think my <clears throat> career has been all about scale, right? So when I started my career in Aerodecan, we scaled to 18 locations, 3,700 people. Uh, right, Starting from there, actually, there's, there's a little joke that goes around in my uh, relative circles that if Sid joins a company, go and buy those shirts. 
right? So I think God's been very fortunate. Um, uh, you know, very kind that uh, you know companies have grown. Uh, for example, in a um, tech uh, company, uh, the company grew from 150 to 6,500 people in around four months. Around, uh, around uh, another healthcare company grew from 89 people to 3,000 people in around 18 months. Uh, 100 to 250 people in Urban Piper around uh, two quarters, right? So what's important in scaling is, um, you know, in many places, it's a numbers game. When people talk about scaling, it's often referred to as a numbers game. In B2C uh, hyper-growth startups, that's true, right? Unless you have the people, right? Uh, you can't actually train them. You can't kind of reach out to customers and your revenue isn't going to come through. Whereas in a B2B startup, right? Uh, scale often means both depth and surface area right so by that i mean you've got to get absolutely focused roles and you've got to get people who are able to manage b2b which is quite a different game right uh, compared to b2c and i think in when you talk about sustainable scale that's like a double click on the word scale i think there are four elements that come in uh, the first is alignment so when I talk about alignment, it's, it's it, you know it, it it basically means people do things for either a common purpose, common mission, or at least have a sense of the common direction. Right? This kind of I'll come back to it when we're talking about OKRs. Uh, if, if we are going to address that, right? So alignment is the first thing. The second is authenticity. You don't want people walking in the door and feel uh, you know that they've got to put up this phony act through the day. Right, and then take more number of uh, smoke breaks and more number of uh, coke breaks and so on. Right, so um, authenticity is very important. So authenticity meaning, you know, how are my managers aligned? Um, are the founders talking the same language inside the inside a closed room and outside a closed room? Right, how how does HR as a facilitator um, help these conversations happen? Many of these conversations are NS equal to one, right? Where you've got to kind of understand, you've got to get under the skin of the, the leaders and then help them kind of create their own reality, right? The third is agility. Uh, after doing all this, the, is your system so heavily wired that to make one small change, you know, you've got to go through 10 levels of approvals and by the time the approval comes, you've forgotten what you wanted to do, right? And finally, it's got to be about achievement. If you've not got, got done what's supposed to be done, then as will not do it, right? Why, why put in a lot of effort and then say, uh, you know, input also matters, right? So do waste of time and money, right? So I think this is important. So, um, yeah, so scale these days is not only about numbers, it's also about the quality of the numbers as well as how do those numbers come into a room and start uh, you know, delivering performance. Performance is very simple. It's just observable behavior. You know? So how do you create that context for observability? That's how it is. Fantastic, Sid. In fact, um, I really like the way you articulated the four elements of scale. And are there any, uh, you know, uh, anecdotes that you could recollect on where you found that um, probably scale is something that you were watching out for, especially challenges during scale, and you addressed it as a team. So we'd love to learn a little more with an example. Hmm. See, see, finally, it's about humans walking in, right? And uh, let me recollect a good example. I mean, all examples have a certain nuance in it. I'm just trying to uh, empathize sure, sure. with the audience as to what no they're looking for. So um, I can talk about Urban Piper. Right. Let me uh, pick up the most recent one in terms of how we uh, help with OKRs. I don't know if it's okay to touch upon OKRs now, but then it's, I think that's a real uh, thing that's helped us scale and uh, you know put things in perspective. So uh, 
a year and a half ago roughly or maybe a year ago uh, you know okrs were kind of an experiment right and then the founders and i got into this thing where we said okay back to first principles okay back to uh, design thinking right i believe that uh, you know the the place where the problem is defined the most the solution lies there so if okrs have to uh, be really you know become a part of the bloodstream of everybody in the organization you got to figure out what is it in the bloodstream which is a pain today right so that meant talking to a lot of people it meant uh, you know bringing people together writing a good document a short good document i should be very careful right many people are getting the habit of writing 30 page long documents uh so uh, nothing beyond six pages right at at the final outcome level um and when this is done we figured out that i mean we we've all heard about the scarf model by david rock right uh, state is uh, certainty autonomy relatedness and fairness i tried to look at all the requirements in okr and you know one of the most important things about okr are the reviews so one of the important things that was unsaid but very clearly validated when we went back to double loop and triangulated was you know make reviews respectful now this is a interesting problem to have because reviews are meant to ask stretch questions okay are such stretch they are moonshot targets and if the questions are not asked the reviews then what right so then we figured out the 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 the, the main point there was respect and people not losing face right and to proactively design such a system we we broke down reviews into n number of multiple you know n number of individual reviews that the hods would have with the founders which means i mean scream yell whatever i mean we don't do that but i'm saying worst case was right so um, ask hard questions challenge each other so on and so forth but not in quote unquote public right and then we'd also have public uh, check-ins right where uh you know let's say stakeholder linked questions arise and so on but then we felt challenging is important but do it respectfully respect is also one of our values care is one of our values appreciate is one of our values right and fearless is important so we said individual reviews 15 minutes once in a week once in two weeks once in a week to begin with and then you know once people have gotten into the momentum is there then don't don't bother them too much the intelligent people the experienced people so don't don't kind of micromanage them but then uh, you know do this and that's really worked out well for us and why am i talking about this when you're talking about scale right is because it is no longer about numbers when i look at a b2b company it is about alignment it is about authenticity it is about autonomy it is about achievement right so scale is a little bit about numbers but more about what after the numbers right and yeah you have an example there Love it, and um, I think they both are uh, very different in the way you've approached it compared to many organizations globally. Is that point around respect? Because you're absolutely spot on, and, and we'll speak a little bit about that as we go through the conversation. But one thing I've learned over and over again is to give that psychological safety uh, yeah. to teams, especially when they're part of OKRs. And I think you've really brought it alive in your context. So thank you for sharing that very powerful example. In fact, it uh, takes me back to uh, you know memory lane and. and here uh, you know would love to hear more about um, you know how did you really go about the implementation because many times when we speak to uh, hr leadership you know they uh, the, many of them have starting troubles as well um, so tell us a little more about how did your first 90 days look like what what did you do differently to condition the company to embrace okrs so okrs isn't new to me 
right? I think last five years have been doing OKRs in one way or the other. I think one of the uh, basic things that many companies are missing out is that when you're looking at anything around behavior, when you're looking at anything around behavior sciences, your HR head is the best way to go to because that guy is trained in it. He's been practicing it, right? Not to belittle or uh, say someone is wrong, but I'm just kind of pointing out that getting a very high achievement oriented person who's the chief of staff or someone to do it is probably a nice thing to do, but then a better thing to do would actually to be to leverage your HR head for it. Because your HR head has been managing performance, has been managing goals, knows, uh, you know, for example, very simple things like rooms expectancy model. How does it actually play out in the workplace? Right? What are different ways in which people get motivated? Right now, when you're not, so what worked for us was that it was a HR facilitated initiative, but owned by business, right? Often it said that, oh no, OKRs needs to be run by business because it's owned by business. Well, I don't think so, right? Um, the owner of the bus doesn't drive the bus. You give the bus to the bus driver who's got a license who has experience in doing it. Right? So I think that's a very subtle but very important aspect. So the moment that happens, you know, the uh, see, see what also happens is, you know, you also have this thing in coaching. Uh, I don't know how much time I have, but, uh, uh, you know, in coaching, you always have this thing saying that you can't have more than one relationship with your coaching means uh, your coachy can't be a reporter, your coachy can't be a manager, your coachy can't be a wife. Right? And the reason is because the authenticity of the relationship is primed for effectiveness when there is only one relationship between the coach and the coachy. When you have business also driving OKRs, there's this entire pressure of authority that comes in. Instead, what we did is, okay, HR will facilitate, will run the process, but the but the outcome and the ownership of the outcomes is definitely with the stakeholders, you know, the different function heads, the different horizontal, so on and so forth. So that, that definitely worked very well for us. Uh, the other thing that, uh, you know, we made it very clear is saying that having discipline isn't an infringement of fundamental rights or human rights. Okay. Uh, you know, often it is, it is, it is portrayed as being uncool. It's not so. If, if you see, uh, you know, this entire thing of good to great, Jim Collins, he talks about uh, level five leaders having, uh, you know, uh, the thing of turning the flywheel, right? So you got to get that flywheel turning. And that means, you know, very, very focused, very respectful, but having a discipline where people are coming into the room and they're not sent to the room or uh, pulled into the room. They're walking as intelligent human beings into the room. And that's something that we did with our OKR reviews, right? Um, once people realize that it is something that that's actually helping them succeed, why wouldn't they want it, right? We, we all the time talk about this when we talk about customers and the products that we sell as companies, right? If a customer doesn't want the product, you talk about product market. So I think our job was to ensure that OKRs has a good product market fit, uh, right? Our, our uh, leaders, their teams, et cetera, need to find value in the way it's run need to find value inherently in the process. And then, you know, we don't have much work to do. We can go and do something else, right? I think uh, these are elements that were our main learnings in, inside this entire journey. And this is how we did it. So discipline, you got to uh, arrive at the OKR meeting, you got to give your updates. And if you don't give your updates, your boss has got to give the updates. You can't delegate downwards. You can only delegate upwards. Worked very well. Absolutely love what you're saying. And there's so much power in it. Uh, you actually looked at it from a perspective of product market fit, right? And there is the internal customer and then there is OKRs and how is it really benefiting them? When there is value, there is 
adoption and then the sustenance. So absolutely spot on in what you said. So thank you so much for sharing this uh, very, very nuanced points. Uh, in fact, that goes back to a point around, uh, you know, questions that people usually have, especially when OKRs are ruled out. And the most common one is, you know, how is it different between KPIs and OKRs? So could you share a little more about, you know, how did you kind of articulate that and what were some of the examples you used internally? Okay, so we went back to the fundamental constructs, right? We said, see, we are using OKRs largely for larger-than-life goals. And when it comes to a startup, uh, you know, we always talk about runway, which is how long can this company survive? Okay, so when we are talking about OKR, we are not talking about KRAs, which are key result areas a person's got to do as business as usual. OKRs are next level. Having said that, uh, we also fundamentally differentiated by saying that uh, the why exists in the OKR. The O of the OKR is the why, right? Uh, of course, you can always go to Simon's next videos and so on. Why of everything. But then we made it absolutely clear saying, okay, KPIs are there. They are probably very close to key results. Um, but then you got to understand why you're doing this. And there's a deeper reason, right? Now, if you see uh, jobs, why do, how many organizations in India, and I, I say in India, uh, because there's a cultural context to it, right? So how many organizations in India have job descriptions, which are very well written, okay? And the story doesn't end there and are constantly used. you find that constantly used has fallen off somewhere on the way, right? So the reason is something that Dr. Uday Parikh figured out uh, in the 1980s. If you look at his book on roles, he says jobs depersonalized, right? There's a dehumanization, sorry, not depersonalization, dehumanization. So when you dehumanize jobs, what you're actually removing from the job is the interest or the passion, which is the opportunity for that human being to add value creatively originally, right? Now, OKRs is a fundamentally positive thing in that direction, because once you're not only talking about how did you do, what did you do, but say, why did you do, right? That human's innate spark comes alive. That business unit leader is no longer saying, Mereko itna sales karna hai. or for our international audience, I have to achieve so much, so many you know, million dollars, right? That guy is, saying, this is why I, I got to do this. And hence, if path A is closed, he finds out path B, path B is closed, she finds out path C, and so on. So the company tends to uh, benefit tremendously. Right? I think that is one fundamental thing which helped us. Fantastic. Uh, thanks, Sid. And, and you're right, you know, once the purpose is articulated, then the rest of it will come a lot more naturally like muscle matter, right? rather than uh, putting it, putting the horse before the cart or the other way around. So well said on that. Uh, so going back to, uh, you know, your, and you've been practicing OKRs for a very long time now and and, and your current rollout has probably gotten to the third or fourth quarter. Um, are there any examples of OKRs that you've achieved as a team that you would like to share? Um, and I, I'm sure, you know, we'd be delighted to receive those. And that, those would be con company confidential. I don't want to share those. Sure, but sure. All, I can, uh, all I can say is, I think people are having a lot more fun working, Okay. For me as a HR head, when I look at, uh, you know, alignment, authenticity, agility, autonomy, and achievement, I think that's important. It's it's no longer a core of people, right? It's like, uh, okay, yes, no. And, ah, okay, yes. And I think that's very important, right? Uh, like if you see, when I uh, did my uh, doctoral, I started looking at uh, 
I mean, everyone's talking about uh, satisfaction, happiness, engagement. You know, my fundamental question was, so what? Right now, the so what is where the answer lies. You do all these things, you organize all your events, you run all your surveys, etc., because you want people to deliver more. Right, which is what uh, got me looking at this area of discretionary effort. Right, similarly in OKRs, none of this matters if people don't take to it. If you still need to push people to do it, something's wrong. I think more than individual OKRs, I think if this one thing happens, everything else gets taken care of. Fantastic. Thanks, thanks, it and uh, well received on that. Um, you, you know, one thing that we all, always uh, get asked uh, by many years, CHROs is, you know, when is the best time to introduce OKRs? So what would be your advice to them, uh, either on introducing or sustaining OKRs? So we'd love to learn more about that. If you're, I mean, this is not very different from any OD initiative, right? Um, if your founders have an intense need to do it, then do it, okay? And if that intense need and the outcomes are realistic, very important. I'm not saying realistic from a pessimistic point of view, saying, you know, take small outcomes and chase them. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying inherently at your gut, if you feel this is realistic, then do it, right? Do it only if your founders are extremely kicked about it and will commit to it, right? So Anirban over here, Saurav, Mana, Himanshu, which are all extremely committed to it, right? If that doesn't happen, we'll all not jump on each other saying, why hasn't it happened? We will jump on each other and ask, how can we make it happen, right? So that's a fundamental shift. So it's a good time, right? If if that that level of need is there, if that much of need is not there, it's going to be another good thing because three other startups have done, Sid did this uh, podcast with Vidya, so you know maybe it's good. You know, if you have maybe don't do it, don't waste your time. Do something else that helps your business. Great advice, sir. Thank you, sir. And you're right. And sponsorship is key and the commitment and alignment among the leadership team before you actually roll out OKR. So this is absolutely wonderful. And there are so many nuggets of wisdom and real practitioner-led thinking that has gone into this podcast. So thank you so much for sharing all that. Uh, we're going to take it into a wrap with a rapid fire round. Sid, are you ready for this? I thought it all this while was rapid fire enough. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so one more rapid fire round. Sid, your favorite business book? The one that I wrote. Awesome people, Lida. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, Sid, your favorite holiday destination? Okay. Uh, it used to be an unknown uh, little spot, but now it's going to be very known. There's this beach uh, somewhere near Mangalore called Chitrapur Beach. Great white sand. Very calm. And uh, I think it's just half an hour drive from Mangalore. It's a great place to be for three, four hours. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, Sid, your quote, your favorite quote that gets you pumped up every morning and get into work. See, again, this is the uh, this is uh, a little bit of the startup vocabulary that uh, goes everywhere, right? See, pumped up is fine if I'm going for war, right? But <laughs> okay. I think ground, I prefer grounded because I'm in a business here, right? And I think one of the things that helps me there is, uh, you know, when avoidable stuff happens no let me put it the other way if really good stuff happens right asking myself why me mm. right and if avoidable stuff happens asking myself why not me i think both these helps keep me grounded and humble thanks sid um sid when you're not working you would rather do what i'm doing so i do a lot of pro bono 
executive coaching i help uh, teams uh, as a facilitator and so on yeah and uh, my present company is extremely trying to let me do all that right of course not for money but more more for fun uh, it, it's it's the rule of the pickle jar right so if i just pickle my skills somewhere it's not going to grow it's not going to help anyone so coaching and facilitating uh, facilitation is what i do lovely said then in fact um, i've also been uh, uh, you know the good recipient of many of the work that you're doing in context to impacting the community so if you if you'd like to share a little more about that you know i'm sure our audience would love to listen to this okay thanks for the platform uh, so uh, there there's something that i'm uh, working on but already uh, you know happening is that uh, any hr leader who wants to build a leadership development uh, initiative right that typically works with me um, for 6 to 8 months and i help them run it in their company and so that's on the leadership development piece and uh, the coaching piece is of course anyone who's interested to get your coach pings me on linkedin we fix up time maybe for a 3 months uh, uh, you know cohort and then i spent uh, 45 minutes to an hour once in a week once in two weeks uh, one of uh, the cornerstones of this entire thing is that i don't charge a penny right i don't even force people to uh, kind of go and donate something somewhere etc I mean, though I do have a few of my coaches who are extremely generous. I got a call one day. He said, "Oh, yeah, last time's coaching was extremely good. I donated thirty thousand bucks to this particular charity." I called him up and gave him a earful. I said, "I had too much of money go invest it." Right? But yeah, I'm not against charities, but I'm I'm just that this. I think coaching as a practice hasn't taken off to the potential that it can, uh, because uh, uh, you know it's a very experiential thing. Unless you've gone through it, you don't know what it is, and you don't go through it because you don't know what it is. It's a catch twenty-two. It keeps going around there, and then, um, you know, people are, uh, you know, getting deprived of it. So I think uh, this is my little contribution in that direction. So I do a lot of coaching. I and I get great friends. I get to I get to learn a lot, and uh, yeah, I think it makes the world a better place. Again, going back to what Peter Drucker said, the purpose of human life is to make positive difference. It's fun. Thank you, sir. It was uh, truly a very, very interesting and engaging conversation. I've learned a lot from all the points that you mentioned, all the analogies, great analogies that you use, right? From how do you scale to how do you introduce OKRs, how do you sustain, and your advice to many, many out there who are trying to introduce it for the first time. Uh, this is truly a podcast to be listened to and treasured for many, many years to come. Um, so thanks yeah. again, and um, you know, look forward to. uh having more such conversations with you thank you and uh, thanks vidya and uh, the fitbots team for this opportunity um and of course a call out to all those restaurant owners who need our help uh, reach out awesome. to us thank you and have a great day thank you sir